you know your body better than anybody, right? You know your body better than, you know, your coach is going to know what's going on internally or a physical therapist or something like that. So at the end of the day, you know, learning and, you know, it is a learned skill, learning how to differentiate different sensations, how to, you know, oh man, this feels really hard today. Does it feel harder than normal? Or, you know, is it because of a, is there a reason behind it? Um, or is it, you know, sometimes is it just something that I'm sort of perceiving or feeling or carrying over from somewhere else? Mm -hmm. um, so starting to learn, you know, how to, you know, in some ways like live in your body and how to, you know, trust yourself, you know, um, and give yourself, you know, maybe a pass on days when things aren't clicking and maybe on days when things are feeling good, knowing that it's a day to, you know, to push things a little bit. Um, and not again, yeah, like not getting so wrapped up in, in goal achievement mm -hmm. that you blow by, you blow past a lot of other things. I mean that for, you know, in our space, we don't see, we almost never see acute injuries in this gym environment very often, you know, people don't drop barbells on their head or, you know, do something where they immediately go like, ow, mm -hmm. I rarely see that. What I see is somebody going, oh, my shoulder doesn't feel that good, but, you know, I really want to be able to do X. So I'm going to show up again tomorrow and then say, oh, it still feels bad, but, you know, I've got this goal and I'm working on it or something like that. And, and not being able to sort of switch gears and not being able to, to, notice things and say like, Oh, this is a sign. I need to, I need to, you know, redirect things or I need to rebalance things, or maybe I just need to, you know, take a, take a step back and, and take a little time. Hello guys, family, friends. My name is JJ Ruescas. I am the host of the show Optimizandome or Optimizing in English, where we invite guests, top performers from different industries to learn from their stories, their habits, routines, and mostly their mindset. Today we're here in cold Austin for some reason, but we're having a good time. Our guest today is the owner of Lumos Fitness Collective, a functional movement gym here in Austin, Texas, that is helping people to shine their light in the nutritional aspect, in the movement aspect, but also in, a, in the consolidation of healthy habits. Let me introduce you to Noah Abbott. Hi. Nice to meet you again. Nice to meet you too, JJ. Thanks for having me on. I'm super happy to have you here and to learn from your story and also Lumos' story. So Noah, let's start with who is Noah and what does it mean to be a personal coach? Okay, well, I don't get to, to personally coach as much as I used to these days, uh, but I spend most of my time running the business, running the gym, making sure my coaches are happy and working and, you know, having a good time and that my the community that we're building here is, is functioning smoothly. I coach a little bit. I still like to do that to stay connected to what we do. Um, there have been times when I've coached almost not at all and it, I start to feel disconnected, so that's, I like to stay kind of in the mix of what we do. Um, but before this, I was a full-time coach for a number of years uh, in uh, one of the biggest uh, sort of functional movement gyms in, in New York City. Um, or actually, it's probably one of the bigger ones in, in the world. Um, and I moved out to Austin 
five and a half years ago to open this gym. And we've been open for just about five years, five years in February. Wow. Almost five. So almost five years. Five years and a little, I think. So tell me a little bit, how was your life prior to moving to Austin? Uh, I worked a lot. (laughs) So I was a a full-time coach in New York, um, in New York City. Uh, I did group classes and personal training and, and, you know, New York City's cost of living and, and sort of just kind of daily hustle is, is a little different. Um, so I worked a lot. I coached a lot, lots of hours, always sort of building new workshops and things we were doing. And, you know, part of it was fun and I had celebrity clients and things like that. But it was just from a lifestyle perspective, um, so much of my time was spent on the floor doing that. And I wanted something that was a little bit better sort of balanced between the, the academic and the business side and the, you know, working in the field that I really liked working in, which is, is health and fitness. So this has been a nice kind of nice balancing act. So for how long have you been incubating that idea in your, I've been a gym rat since I was 10 or 11 years old. I was, I played soccer growing up, uh, football, um, and I was always the worst kid on the very good team, right? <laughs> so I could make a very good team, but I would be the last guy off the bench. So I, I always was into the idea of trying to squeeze out every little advantage. So once from, you know, when I was like 12 years old, I started going to the gym and I would just look at the strongest guy in the room and look what he was doing and do that, which is a very stupid way to train. (laughs) Uh, And I did that for a long time. And I knew pretty early on that I always wanted to do something that had a physical element to it that that blended some, you know, intellectual or academic elements and some physical elements. I knew that I never wanted to wholly 100% you know, work behind a desk, um, or in some ways, wholly a hundred percent, you know, do something that was purely physical. So before I was a, a, a coach, before I was a gym owner, I was a law enforcement officer. Um, I thought that was going to be my career for a long time. I've always wanted to do something that had a service element to it that involved giving back to my community and trying to, you know, make the, the world a better place for, for lack of a better term. Um, and, after about five years of doing that, I was coaching part-time. I, I was working full-time. I was coaching part-time. I was in grad school part-time. I was very wow. busy and something had to give. And I realized that the thing that was not filling me up was my full-time job. And I didn't feel like I was really serving anybody or if I did, it was very abstract. Whereas when I was coaching, I was every day getting to see you know, oh, I helped this person with that. Oh, you know, a month ago they were here and now we've gotten them there. And so it was very tangible. It was very upfront and I really enjoyed it. And so, yeah, I made the change to, to doing that full time. And then that led into, you know, wanting to own my own space and put sort of my own mark on things. And did you start first as a law enforcement officer or did you start first as a personal coach? I was a, no, I was a law enforcement officer first. first. Yeah, um, I did that first. I had a, a very bad back injury in training oh. and I was slowly getting over that. And I walk, walked into the, the first time I had walked into a gym that was similar to mine and had this sort of like, you know, 
eye-opening experience about how, you know, fitness and health could, you know, really change. I had always been into it, but it was a, it was a different, I'd always been into, you know, to working out. Um, but this was a different time of, uh, you know, kind of more sort of inter interdisciplinary and more holistic mm -hmm. sense of how, you know, this could be something that was a, a bigger lifestyle. And almost immediately I got certified to coach and started coaching. And I was doing that part-time while I was wow. working my full-time career. Yeah. Wow. And let's move a little mm -hmm. further into, into this timeline. You realize that the law enforcement um, job that you had was not fulfilling. What was your thought process the moment that you decided, like, okay, that's it? Um, I mean, I wish there was a moment. Uh, you know, there was, I don't know if there was one moment where I said, yep, that's the end. I'd over time, you know, I'd had a couple times where I had, I had done something that I was like, ah, oh, this is really not what I want it to be. And this doesn't feel the way I want it to feel. And then I would, I'm somebody who always likes to be learning something new. I always like to be working on something new or, or building out my skill set. So I would find something new. And, and one of the nice things about that job are there are a lot of opportunities for training. So I could always learn new things. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to get this, you know, certification or learn how to do this. And I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to add these responsibilities onto my job. And I'm going to, and every time I would do that, you know, for the six months or a year or however long while I was learning that and then starting to do it, it would, you know, occupy me and fill me up and, and kind of make me interested. And then I would get back to sort of like, okay, now that's, learned and ingrained and now I have to go back to doing my normal day-to-day -day job mm. and I'd be like I don't love this <laughs> and then I'd find something else new and so at the end I really wanted to uh, work abroad for the government and I was running into a lot of just the sort of like you know bureaucratic side of how long that was going to take and it was going to be years before I got approved and And in a funny way, because of the way the government works, or at least the agency I worked for, every time I learned something new, it tied me down more because it made me more wow. valuable to the office that I worked in. They needed, you know, if, if I left, they would need, instead of one person to replace me, I was doing, you know, two or three different jobs. So it would be two or three people to replace me. And so it was actually tying me down more. And so I got to a point where I realized I'm never going to get to do what I want to do here. I need to figure out how to do it myself. Wow. Yeah. Is that so how does does that realization started taking you from learning what was helping you in the job to start? You didn't know if he was going to learn, if he was going to help you in the opposite side or, or right. coaching. Right. How did that go? Did you have any background on business besides personal coaching? No. Oh, no. Um, so I could, you know, I coached for a while and I thought I knew everything I knew needed to know about the, you know, the gym industry. I was like, oh. But I, I've never thought of myself as a business person. My brother runs tech sales teams. He's always been the, the business side guy of my family. And I've never really thought about myself that way. And I think, you know, it was a bit of a rude awakening when I started. Um, and I think for a number of years, as I started my, my business and my gym, I, I, I leaned on the excuse of, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not a business guy. I don't want to whatever. And, you know. After a while, that got a little a little stale, 
Mm. And I realized that, you know, whether I like, whether I wanted to be or not, I was now a business guy, mm. right? Whether I wanted to be or not, I had to at least do the, you know, the bare essentials to make sure that things were running smoothly and that, so that everybody could be having a better time. You know, I've always been into what I do for, you know, the service element, for the community element, for, you know, meeting new people and helping them and seeing, you know, helping them and seeing them achieve what they want, mm. you know, achieve their goals. Um, but if the business isn't running smoothly, it actually gets in the way of that, right? Wow. If it's, you know, hard wow. for them to sign up for a class and because of that, they don't sign, you know, mm -hmm. that's an opportunity missed. So getting that stuff right meant that I could better serve, that I could better connect, that I could do all the things that I wanted to do even if it was from a way that I wasn't as comfortable doing. So I had to, you know, step out of my comfort zone. Uh -huh. That's a good point. It is a loss of opportunity, not only on the business side, but also in serving the, the people from the community, because probably those opportunities of training, in this case, their body would have transformed their entire lives. Right. right. What kind of transformations have you seen over the last few years? Um, for myself or yeah. for the people Both, I work with? Um, I mean, for people I work with is very, you know, a lot of what we do here, you know, there's a, a joke, you know, this, we were, we were a CrossFit gym for a long time. I think this is a saying from, from CrossFit, which is getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, you know, I think some people grow up and have that have had have experiences that let them do that, you know, whether that's like being a boy scout or something and camping out or playing on a sports team where sometimes, you know, things are hard or your coach yells at you or whatever it is or whatever it may be, or, or you know, like, or legitimate, you know, personal hardship that, that really can, uh, you know, shape you. But I think a lot of times, and especially in, you know, sort of modern society, there's it can be very easy to go through a lot of your life and never really have that. And so what I talk a lot with my, with my members about, one of the people talk to me about a lot is that, you know, when they get used to doing something in the gym physically that, you know, at first feels, it feels weird. It doesn't feel great. Maybe it's a little scary or maybe it feels like it's, you know, too hard, too heavy to, you know, whatever. And over time they're able to, you know, chip away at it you know, break things down into smaller pieces and learn those pieces and integrate them back into a whole that they have that, that, that carries over into their, their, you know, real life and their outside of the gym life. Right. Or they have a, a project at work or, a, you know, a conflict with a person and they're able to sort of apply some of those same lessons of, okay, you know, let's just get through the next part. Right. And then let's see how we feel. Right. There's an old like Navy SEAL thing that they say, quit tomorrow. Right. You're always allowed to quit, but you have to quit tomorrow. That's so you just keep pushing that, that quitting time off. I do that almost every time I work out, I say like, Oh, I'm just going to do 10 minutes more and then I'm done. And then those 10 minutes go by and I go like, all right, I'm 10 minutes more and then I'm really done. Or, you know, I'm going to run to that next thing or I'm going to finish this last little piece. And I just, it seems like it shouldn't work that you can almost fool yourself. So things like that, uh, I think we teach a lot of that, a lot of resilience here. And then, you know, doing it, we, we try to make it in a, an atmosphere that's very supportive mm -hmm. so that it is not this sort of like do this or else, you know, kind of hard knock sort of thing, but it's mm -hmm. something where it look like, you know, it's all right to try it and fail it. It's all right to mess up. You know, if, it, if we, you know, mess this up, we can 
start over, we can try it again, we can make it easier. Um, you know, the consequences here when things go wrong are not great, which is good. And I think it allows people to sometimes, you know, push a little further uh, and then apply that lesson to things where, you know, the consequences might be greater, like yeah. work or personal relationships or things like that. So it's interesting because lots of people, especially people that are working constantly in front of the laptops and people that are not moving their bodies uh, optimally, let's put right. it that way. They, or at all. Yeah, or at all. It happens, right? And what it happens is that they think that, oh my God, I have to go to a gym. It's like, I have to. And they just think about this right. pushing and sweating and my God. Right. But in the kind of realm that, that you work with in this functional movement mm -hmm. arena, what is the difference between a traditional gym, let's right. say, with, with weights and all of that compared to this other model? That's a, that's a good question. I mean, the biggest thing that I talk about with folks when they have that feeling of like, oh, you know, I need to, I know I need to, I need to go to the gym, but mm -hmm. I don't want to. I always say things shouldn't feel like homework, right? It shouldn't feel like you're doing homework. It shouldn't feel like you have a list of stuff like, oh, I got to do this and check it off, right? We have enough things in our day-to-day -day life, tasks lists mm -hmm. or, you know, work, you know, agendas and things where it's like, here's the stuff I know I need to get through. So we always try to make everything we do here feel like there's an element of play to it. And I think that that's something, even if, I'm, if I was, you know, advising somebody on starting their own fitness practice is like, make it in some way something you like and make it in some way something that feels like you're playing, right? Um, my, my favorite fitness writer is a guy named Dan John. Uh, he was a strength coach, a coach, uh, I think he's a professor of religious studies. Uh, smart guy, wrote a lot of books, mostly like, 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, he talks about in the gym, he calls them park bench workouts and bus bench workouts, right? But I think this works for life, right? He says that, you know, when somebody's waiting on a bench for a bus, they're concerned with when's the bus going to get here? Is it running on time? What's my schedule? What do I have to do today? What's coming next? Things like that, right? It's very sort of like task and goal and time oriented. And that when you're sitting on a bench in a park, it's like, oh, it's a beautiful day. The sun is shining, the birds, and it smells nice. And I'm just kind of relaxed and experiencing it. He says that most people tend to do, you know, five bus bench workouts for every one park bench workouts, workouts where they're like, here are the things I need to do. And I want to do it in this time. And I, this and that and whatever. And then every so often they might just go on a run, you know, somewhere that's really pretty. And he thinks that, in fact, it needs to be the other way around, right? That we need to be doing more uh, park bench workouts, more things that are experiential, that are, you know, things that connect us to the process, right? I enjoy doing this thing, right? I like doing it, you know, I'm having a good time. The result of it is, you know, is going to be what it is, right? Um, and, you know, every so often we need to check in on that. Um, if I talk to people here all the time. If we don't enjoy the process, the results are never, we're never going to stick to something long enough to enjoy the result. And if all we're doing is kind of focused on the result, it's going to be at, mo at, at best, like a, you know, you can grit your teeth and screw yourself in for a couple months and do it. And then you're going to kind of re return to, you know, mm. your normal or whatever. So. Yeah, that makes sense. So would you say, that is one of the mistakes that usually people come and do or what other mistakes have you seen before? 
Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's, it's very hard to have a good balance between, you know, sort of objective metrics for, you know, fitness and health or personal success or things like that. Right. Whether that's like, how fast am I running a mile? Whether that's how much money did I make last year or whatever that is, you know, these are, you need some of those, right. You need to yardstick that a little bit. Right. And what we do, we call that a benchmark, right. Where every so often we will visit and revisit it just to see where we're at. If all I ever do is benchmark, if every day it's like, well, what do I have today? And I want to quantify that. And if it's not the best I've ever done, it's a failure. It's just not sustainable. Right. So those benchmarks need to be spread out. And in between, you know, needs to be things that they can be progressive. They can be building towards a goal. They can be, you know, they can have design behind them, but if they're not, I think if they're not enjoyable for in, for themselves, it's going to be a challenge. And I think that's, you know, I think that's the hard thing. And certainly in, you know, gym in coaching and in training, um, but also in, you know, in other endeavors in life is like finding that balance between what you like doing, you know, making sure what you like doing is directed towards where you want to be. And then every so often checking in and making sure that that's actually happening. You know, you can get it wrong on either, yeah, on either side. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can totally get it wrong on the other side and just be having the time of your life and <laughs> everything's burning down around you. Yeah. 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 I know, I know what you mean. So having this kind of metrics or dashboard that, that we do not obsess, obsess with, but mm -hmm. instead you say, checking it at it once in a while. Yeah. Once, once in, in a while. Like yeah. Once in a while. And then it's also, I mean, I think I always like everybody knows that, you know, your body better than anybody, right? You know, your body better than, you know, your coach is going to know what's going on internally or a physical therapist or something like that. So at the end of the day, you know, learning and, you know, it is a learned skill, learning how to differentiate different sensations, how to, you know, oh man, this feels really hard today. Does it feel harder than normal or, you know, is it because of a, is there a reason behind it? Um, or is it, you know, sometimes is it just something that I'm sort of perceiving or feeling or carrying over from somewhere else? Mm -hmm. Um, so starting to learn, you know, how to, you know, in some ways like live in your body and how to, you know, trust yourself, you know, um, and give yourself, you know, maybe a pass on days when things aren't clicking and maybe on days when things are feeling good, knowing that it's a day to, you know, to push things a little bit. Um, and not again, yeah, like not getting so wrapped up in, in goal achievement that you blow by, you blow past a lot of other things. I mean that for, you know, in our space, we don't see, we almost never see acute injuries in this gym environment, very often, you know, people don't drop barbells on their head or, you know, do something where they immediately go like, ow, mm -hmm. I rarely see that. What I see is somebody going, oh, my shoulder doesn't feel that good, but, you know, I really want to be able to do X, so I'm going to show up again tomorrow. And then say, oh, it still feels bad, but, you know, I've got this goal and I'm working on it or something like that. And, and not being able to sort of switch gears and not being able to, to, notice things and say like, Oh, this is a sign. I need to, I need to, you know, redirect things or I need to rebalance things, or maybe I just need to, you know, take a, take a step back and, and take a little time. And I think that's the same in in other endeavors as well, where we, you know, we're so tied up in the, 
that final goal that we're blowing past warning signs in front of us that something is something is off uh -huh. you know huh. wow and then coming from in my case coming from an environment on the tech world mm -hmm. where i was sitting in front of the laptop for hours and right. hours and hours i do feel that i disconnected body from mind and i was letting the mind running the show right? right go go for the goal do it do it do it without listening to the mm -hmm. body so how is it that you practice your personal listening to the body because like you said probably this is for every person every person i love i love what you say you know your body better than everybody right, right? so how do you know if it's an injury mm -hmm. or if it is just an exhaustion right, right. yeah i mean The sad answer is in some, sometimes you don't. And I mean, I think the hard answer for a lot of people is that in some ways nobody does, right? Um, you know, to get geeky on the, on the, the fitness side, uh, there's a, there's a lot of research out there that two people can present the exact same, say like a, they get an MRI done because they have back pain and they have the exact same thing going on. And one person is in lights out 10 out of 10 waking, you know, everyday pain and one person's totally fine. Structurally, they have the exact same thing going on, but because we are complex and interconnected systems, one person is, it is ruining their life and one person's like, no problem. So the big thing I talk to with my, with my athletes, with my members a lot is to be gentle to yourself, right? Is to, you know, you only have one body. Um, And I think sometimes we tend to treat that like a finite resource that's sort of like, well, we can, I mean, I think when we're young, we tend to treat it as an infinite resource. <laughs> yeah. Um, but even something that's like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna wring everything out of it. Right. And, uh, you know, it'll recharge or whatever. Um, I think it can be hard, especially in a, you know, when we're trying to integrate better lifestyle choices into a professional environment, mm. into a job in tech or something where I'm traveling a lot or something like that. Because it can feel like sometimes some of those choices in the short term are making me worse at my job, right? Like, mm, yeah. uh, I need to shut down the computer and go to sleep, right? Because, you know, I know I need to get sleep. I need to, I need to work on my sleep. And I think short term, you can feel like, well, you know, I'm so used to w working until midnight every night and then sleeping until, you know, four hours and waking up and starting work again. Where am I going to make that time up? Sometimes it requires that to say, you know, after doing that for a little while, you start to realize like, wow, I'm getting two or three more hours of sleep and I'm much more productive. And now I'm getting done in, you know, six or eight hours, what before was taking me 10 or 12 because I was distracted and foggy and I was wasting time doing other things. So there are times where it involves a little bit of, you know, a little bit of trust and a little bit of process and a little bit of like taking a step back to take two steps forward. Um, I do think that, you know, there's been a lot of good, uh, sort of like popularization of some life, you know, lifestyle and, and sort of like health and wellness things in the, you know, business space mm -hmm. and how that can, you know, how important that is. Yeah. And, and I'm glad that people are starting to kind of click into it a little bit. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a good point. It's not only on the, on the, 
movement side, but also nutrition, recovery, etc., and mostly mindset, right? Mm -hmm. So in, now let's let's move a little bit on to your spe specific perspective on running or leading this gym. Mm -hmm. So what are your values? Um, I think about this a lot. I mean, for a long time, I didn't think about this at all. Uh, and I, I, I don't not think I, I not thinking about it intentionally didn't mean I didn't do it. It just, I hadn't really like drawn it out or thought about it. Um, my values all, and I think I've said a bunch of these words before involve, you know, service and community and, and uh, and exploration and fun. Right. So those are the things that I try to foster here. Right. Um, I try to foster a, a community of service. So whether that's coaches, you know, coaching people and sort of giving them their knowledge, whether that's we do a lot of uh, sort of internal things with members, whether it's like informal social stuff. Hey, we're all going out here. We run a number of sports teams through my gym um, that, you know, play together and stuff like that. We have groups of people doing all sorts of crazy stuff together. We have two members who do meal swaps. They cook each other dinner a mm -hmm. couple nights a week just so that they're eating something that they're, you know, that they're not used to. So fostering that kind of like level of service and community has always been important. And then exploration and fun. Like I want this to be a space where people feel like they're always, there's always something new to learn. There's always something to work on. Um, and that there's lots of opportunities for them to learn new things, play around with new things, you know, not to just kind of come back and keep repeating the same thing over. I mean, to backtrack when we talked about before about that, like not feeling like homework, right? Homework feels like, oh, I got to do the same thing over uh, every Monday. I do this and every Wednesday I do this and, you know, whatever versus, oh, wow, I'm excited for next Monday because I'm working on this new thing and I'm trying to learn it. And it's a little challenging, but, you know, that kind of uh, mindset, that kind of sort of like joy of, of exploration, I think is important in life um it's important in, in you know health and fitness habits as well thank you I, I like those ones so it is community service exploration fun very similar to what i do actually yeah cool. <laughs> what is so no what is an experience or have you experienced a failure in the past that uh, was at the end a, a valuable lesson yeah, I mean, I've experienced, I would say, more than one failure that's been a, a valuable lesson. Um, you know, I think I've been lucky. I, I don't think I've experienced anything that's like abject walls falling in, you know, the debtors knocking on my door kind of thing. But, you know, I, I try as best I can. I, don't, I read this somewhere before. I think it's a, I think there's a book called Failure, right? I think it's just called Failure. And they talk about failure as like, you want ideally like failure, you know, as an iterative process is a good thing. It's something that lets you, you know, learn more. And they talk about it being uh, non-catastrophic with short feedback loops, right? How do I set up failure so that if, if something happens, it's not the end of the world. And that I know as soon as possible that something is going wrong. Um, there's definitely been times, you know, I think in my business where I've realized like things are not running the right way. Um, and you know, I've done a lot of like learning on the fly. Uh, about a year ago, I, I've always been, I grew up as like the kid who, when my parents would ask me what my homework was, I'd be like, don't, don't bother me. I'll take care of it. I don't want help. I don't, I never. And in my life, I'm still working on this. Right. Uh, 
I tend to be somebody who has a lot of trouble asking for help. I, I will very gladly do it myself, make it way harder than it needs to be, suffer, you know, and part of it I like, I like learning how things work, you know, I don't want to hire an electrician, I want to figure out how to do it, you know, I, that's just how I've always ticked. There's times where it becomes like a martyrdom process and not really helpful or sustainable. Um, and so on the business side, last year I hired a, a business mentor um, and paid a, you know, a good amount of money and it was the best decision I've ever made. Um, I, you know, I've always, I've operated this business as a sole, you know, sole proprietor. So I've never really had a team, certainly like an executive team, right? Um, and so having somebody to bounce ideas off of, to talk to, to say, hey, what do you think about this? And, you know, nine times out of 10, I say, hey, what do you think about this? And my mentor says, yeah, do it. Like, that's good, do it. Whereas before I would have spent a month being like, I don't know, should I, should I not? Is this a good idea? Is it not? Um, and then obviously they're part of like a mentoring group that works with uh, businesses like mine and just getting some like some, you know, some systemic and things, systems and things like tightened up and running the way that they need to was a big deal. So, you know, before that, the, the you know, the business was, you know, I wouldn't say failing, but it was certainly not clicking on all cylinders. Uh, yeah, it was kind of like maintaining, plateauing. Um, I think in some ways I was, you know, to, to use what I was talking about before, uh, more in the like, you know, the process than the destination. I was like, yeah, I like what I'm doing every day and this and that. And like, but it was just, it was, you know, flat in some ways. Um, so that was good. I mean, you know, leaving my, you know, what I thought was going to be my career was, I don't, I didn't think of it as a failure, but it was certainly, I mean, or at least now I do, but in some ways, you know, Anytime you have something where your identity is tied up in it and you say like, I am a this person, you know, I work in this industry or this is who I am and whatever. And, and you, you know, have a realization that like, that's not going to, you know, that's going to change or that needs to change. It can be a challenge um, and, you know, can take some, some getting used to, you know, about what are you going to do after that, you know? Um, you know, I think that was something where I thought I could take something, this big monolithic thing and, and bend it towards what I wanted to do and what I wanted to get out of it and the impact I wanted to, to put on it. And I think, you know, over time I realized that it wasn't going to be the case. And really, I think, you know, in that failure, the, the bright spot was that I learned that, you know, it's, it's better to, to realize that as early as possible mm -hmm. and, and get out while you're ahead. Um, you know, I was at that kind of inflection point of like, am I going to do this for the rest of my life or not? Right. Um, I think I mentioned this before, right. In four hour work week, right. uh, there's a part where he's talking about like, as an exercise, you know, he says, you know, if you lost your job tomorrow, would you be okay? You know? And for me, that was this big eye opener. I was like, yeah, I would, I, you know, I could lose, you know, it would not, I would still be me. I would still have my values and my sense of what's important and the things I know and the things I've learned. And I could take that and do something else with that. Um, and so that let the, you know, the, the sort of failure of like this career is not working out. This is not going to be what I thought it was um, and let it, you know, end up being what it is now.
Wow. Talking about mentors, you mentioned mentors. What kind of mentors or besides your business mentor right. or coaches do right. you have that have influence over the life uh, of, of your business or even prior to that, even books like the 4-Hour mm -hmm. Workweek that you mentioned? Yeah, I mean, 4-Hour Workweek, there's certainly some things in there that I'm like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, you know, there's... I. I didn't love every single part of it and not and some of it was just like i said not applicable to to me or the things that i'm interested in but that was something that, was, that opened my eyes um i mean mentors the obviously the, the the person who i learned how to do like the industry that i work in now was were great mentors to me there are two people there the, the, the guy who owned the gym whose name is david osorio and the first guy who like really taught me how to coach, whose name is Chris Fox. Um, and both of them, I think the, the values that I talk about are, are values that I directly learned to them, uh, learned from them, um, which is, you know, sort of like starting at service, starting at like, what can I give and working back from there. Um, uh, David was always big into this sort of like, if you make sure that that you are giving people a lot of value, right? Um, he owns this huge, amazing gym and has always done it from this, like, let's make it great for people. And then that the, the success, the money side, whatever will come from that. Right. Um, he's always been somebody who is not, you know, who has been, you know, not bottom line first, you know, has been, you know, what's, what's the best experience? How can we, you know, what would I want the most out of, you know, the place that I went to? Um, and so that, you know, has been important. I read a book, you know, when I first started thinking about this, you know, this stuff on the business side, there's a book called The E-Myth Revisited, yeah, right? Yeah. You read that, um, which again, like the whole book, you know, I think with a lot of business books, there's a lot, you know, there's sort of like a, if you can take like one or two, you know, good things out of it, that's important. That was the first book that talked, you know, that I started understanding this idea of like, the example they use there is like, a lady opens a pie baking business because she has her aunt's best, you know, pie recipe. And so she starts making these pies and there's a certain part where she learns like, I can't make pies all day. If I'm making the pies all day, nobody's running the business. I need to teach somebody how to make the pies and do it part-time and work on the business. And that, that's the whole idea in, in that book is this idea of like evolution of, you know, somebody from a, you know, from working on something to owning it to whatever is this evolution of like realizing where your time is best spent and and optimizing that right and figuring out how to optimize it for somebody who does not do a good job of asking for help that can be really hard because in a perfect world i would fix everything that breaks at my gym mm -hmm. i would coach all the classes i would you know and i would go crazy right <laughs> so i've had to figure out how to to do that um and that's actually the basis of of a lot of the the company that I do mentorship with, which is called Two Brain Business, um, they talk a lot about that. He has it as, as phases in a in a small business owner's development that he calls uh, founder, founder, farmer, tinker, thief. I think is what he calls, and it's the sort of like evolution from somebody who is doing everything to pulling back from that um, and. You know, I think that's important. At the same time, I think there are you. 
especially when you're doing something you love, you do have to realize like, what are the things that I love about this? Right. Um, and what do I want my day to day look to yeah. look like? What, you know, what aligns with my values? So for me, that's, I, at some point was not coaching any classes, right? I got into this to coach. I love movement. I love working with people. I love picking apart things one-on-one -on -one with somebody. I love that. And there was a part where I wasn't doing that at all. I was doing scheduling and making sure my staff was this and payroll and whatever. And I realized like, I need to coach a little bit, you know, a it's, you know, it's just good for the gym in general, but it also, that's why I started doing this. That's what I really love about this stuff. And if I don't do that, everything else feels like a chore. Mm. I don't need to do it every class. Right. I don't need to do it, you know, 10 hours a day. A little here or there. So I think sometimes you have to pick your shots. You have to yeah. figure out like, what are the things that you love about what you do? You know, whether that's a movement practice, whether that's work, whatever it is. Wow, thank you a lot. We're getting to the end. We have a few last questions, which are, one of them is, what is something that you unlearned? Unlearned. In recent years? I mean, I think I talked about it a little bit. I'm still unlearning it, <laughs> is about asking for help, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I, I was raised in, you know, the environment I was raised in. And certainly I think it's, it, this stems in some ways for like some of, you know, I think everybody, it's like the way your parents were, the way their parents were and so on and whatever, um, was, you know, to have this environment of like, don't ask for help, do it yourself. You know, the greatest value is that like, you don't need it. You know, you don't need anybody that yeah, you're independent. You can do whatever it takes. And I think there are times where that is very important. It is important that you can, you know, stand on your own two feet and do that kind of stuff. Um, I think sometimes people think that asking for help with something is, is a sign of like weakness. Um, and in some senses, it's, it is a sign of vulnerability, right? You have to say like, there is this thing that is maybe not beyond my capacity to do, but it is, you know, it is either enough of a challenge or going to be a, you know, enough of a, a time commitment or whatever that if, or that, you know, somebody else has expertise in that by bringing somebody else in with you and along with you, it's going to be that much better. Um, I mentioned my, my, my brother before, um, he's a very successful guy. He, he works in, in tech. Um, and, I, I, I joked around before that I would always say, don't help me with my homework. I got it, whatever. He would be like, hey, dad, I, I'm having trouble with this math problem. Can you look at it? And the next thing you would see was my brother would be playing video games. My dad would be doing his math homework. <laughs> and so somewhere in the middle there, you know, so I've, I'm still unlearning, you know, how to the, the sort of reflexive thing of like, I can do it. I don't need any help um, and sort of just trying to pick my shots a little better. Right. Uh, I talk sometimes about like, you have the things that you don't know how to do and the things you know how to do. You have the things that you hate doing and you love doing. Right. And then if you combine those, they're the things that you don't know how to do that you don't like doing. Right. Those you get somebody else to do. That's easy. You have the things that you know how to do and you love doing. You should absolutely do those. Right. Mm -hmm. The things that you don't uh, know how to do and you don't like doing or that you're good at and you don't like doing, that's where you start having to make that, you know, mm. 
that consideration about should I offload this? You know, is somebody else better? Or because I am, you know, uniquely good at this, should I be doing it? Right. So that's one of those things. There are the things where you don't know how to do it, but you you enjoy it, or maybe you're still learning how to do it. And again, same kind of thing. That's where you also have to make that judgment call of like, is this worth my time? Right. I love tinkering on stuff. I love fixing things. Right. But I'm not a contractor or a mechanic or whatever. So there are times where it's like, yeah, I could try to fix my own car and take the next two days and try to do it. But I could also pay somebody and they, you know, it's done in an hour. And is that time better, you know, better used? So I'm, I'm trying to learn and unlearn some of those at the same time. Thank you for that model. I didn't know that model. I just, it's a sort of like self-created thing that I think of sometimes. On the right? policy we're going to, to have. Uh, yeah, oh, nice. yeah that's my own little yeah. little rubric. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Noah. Last two questions. Where can people find you on the net and also the location of Lumos, please? Okay. So Lumos is in Southeast Austin, uh, Riverside area. We like to joke, we call it Old Torf Gardens. That's a... Uh, that's our made-up real estate name for the for the neighborhood. Uh, it's two four one five Burleson Road. Um, we're on the our website's www.lumosfitnesscollective.com, or if you just write it as lumosfc.com, it'll take you to the same place. Uh, Gym-wise, our Instagram is that whole thing spelled out at lumosfitnesscollective.com. I think I have a personal Instagram or stuff like that. I. I I've been on a sort of social media detox recently, sort of by accident. I took them off. If you ever want to use social media labs, I took them just off the front page of my phone. I still have the accounts. Just by taking them off the front page of my phone, I stopped checking them pretty much at all. So I check into it sometimes on the business side. Luckily, I have somebody who's way better than that, way better at it than I do running the business side of things, the, the social side, because I'm terrible at it. Okay. Um, but that's where to find us. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. The last question. If you could leave the audience with a question to expand their minds based on your experience, what would that question be? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, like, what are you working on? You know, what are you learning? Right. I think that's really the thing that I always like to have at least something that I can point to. I feel the most stagnant when I feel like I'm just doing the same thing over again, whether that's in my job and personal relationships at the gym. Right. And if I don't have something, you know, that's when I feel like, okay, it's time to look right. You know, um, those things can be really small. They don't have to be like, oh, I'm working on starting my own company or, you know, redesigning, I don't know, the internal combustion engine. You know, um, it can be, you know, a small thing like we talked about before, like, I'm taking an online Spanish class, right? Or I'm working on a variant of a squat that I just saw and you know, I want to play around with it, right? For me, I find that that is the the big, you know, predictor. So I would say like, the, you know, my question for everybody is like, what are you working on? What are you learning? You know, what do you, you know, whether that's big, small or otherwise. Thank you, Noah. It's been it's been my pleasure to pleasure. have you. Pleasure. I'm glad you know. I'm glad it worked out. Nice. Thank cool. you, guys. And so, for more information and, and the notes of this episode, do not forget to follow us and subscribe to the YouTube channel. My name again is JJ Ruescas. I'm the host of Optimizando Me. And if you like this kind of interview, just drop me a comment here, send me a message, and we will see you all on the next episode. See you guys.